From creation to the flood to the patriarchs to Egypt, join me, Pastor Hook, as we go through Genesis, the backstory to the beginning. Good. All right. So today we're going to uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk about Jacob, and we're gonna go through this story where we left him last time. Is that he had the goats, right? He had uh, goats that he was uh, shepherding with his uncle Laban, and then he made a deal with Uncle Laban about the spotted goats and the speckled goats and the dark goats. Uncle Laban's sons thinks that Jacob is cheating. I'm not so sure Jacob is cheating. I think Jacob's very observant, um, and he's definitely taking advantage. Um, but but whether or not that's cheating, I mean, he's the goat herder that's really clever. I don't know about the other sons of Laban. Um, so, but that, but that's that was yesterday. Now, now we're gonna see another side of Jacob. That's um, that I don't know. You'll have to tell me what you think about this. So, we left off at le- at verse uh, chapter thirty-one, verse three, and I think maybe we'll just go ahead and read uh, the beginning of chapter thirty-one again, just to kind of see how that started. So Jacob heard that Laban's sons were saying, Jacob has taken everything our father owned and has gained all this wealth from what belonged to our father. And Jacob noticed that Laban's attitude toward him was not what it had been. Then the Lord said to Jacob, go back to the land of your fathers and to your relatives and I will be with you. So Jacob sent word to Rachel and Leah to come out of the fields where his flocks were. He said to them, I see that your father's attitude toward me is not what it was before, but the God of my father has been with me. You know what? You know that I've worked for your father with all my strength, yet your father has cheated me by changing my wages ten times. However, God has not allowed him to harm me. If he said the speckled ones will be your wages, then all the flocks gave birth to speckled young. And if he said the streaked ones will be your wages, then all the flocks bore streaked young. So God has taken away your father's livestock and given them to me. So here we really kind of see where Jacob's coming from. Jacob goes to Uncle Laban and works for Uncle Laban for 14 years to get Rachel and Leah to get their hand in marriage. And then he made a deal with Laban to have, you know, the speckled sheep. And it turns out that, that God produced, I mean, it is a God thing, right? What sheep come out is definitely a God thing. Um, so it, it wasn't the divination. It was that God had blessed Jacob. And uh, I don't really think that, that Jacob sees himself as having cheated Laban. I think, if anything, Jacob sees Laban as having cheated Jacob. Um, and it certainly is, uh, there is no question in my mind that Jacob, oh, interesting. Um, so my wife left for work and, um, she always closes the front door, but I just heard it open and I don't want to have Alina to to come in. So you have to give me 10 seconds. Hold on. Nope. All right. We're good. We're good. I think she was leaving a second time. Okay. All right. Um, I don't think that the 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 Laban treated that he treated Jacob very fairly. I mean that that is true. There's no question about that. That Laban was sneaky to Jacob. So uh, you know Jesus would say 
you know, do not repay evil with evil. Um, so I guess you could say don't repay sneaky with sneaky. But uh, Jesus isn't on the scene yet. And uh, the fact that Laban is sneaky towards Jacob, I think, is it is does that give Jacob license then to be sneaky with Laban? And um, that's a good question. Today, you know, we would not repay evil with evil. Uh, but this is back, this is back, you know, 2,000 years before Jesus. So, um, and there's no commandments yet from God. The only commandment, the only thing we know from God is that, that Jacob is the chosen one. And so Jacob, uh, you know, if God is blessing Jacob, uh, Jacob is seeing as that is a blessing directly from God. And if Laban is cheating Jacob out of things that are going to help Jacob have blessings from God, then Jacob is going to be a little bit upset with that because he knows that God is on his side. Um, and we know that God is on our side. And uh, so that's a huge blessing. All right, so I'm going to go back and we're going to continue reading. Um, let's see. You know, I worked for your... I worked. For for your father with all my strength your father has cheated me by changing my wage 10 times however god has not allowed me him to harm me so all right we're gonna go back continue reading verse 10 in breeding season i once had a dream in which i looked up and saw that the male goats mating with the flock were streaked speckled or spotted the angel of god said to me in a dream jacob I answered, here I am. And he said, look up and see that all the male goats mating with the flock are streaked, speckled, or spotted. For I have seen all that Laban has been doing to you. I am the God of Bethel, where you anoint, anointed a pillar and where you made a vow to me, now leave this land at once and go back to your native land. So the angel comes the angel of God comes to Jacob in a dream. And he says, um, look up and see that all the male goats mating with the flock are streaked, spotted, and I have seen all that Laban's been doing to you. I'm the God of Bethel. Um, so God's pointing out that he's in control here. And uh, he is the one that controls which goats come out. It has nothing to do with anything that Jacob did or anything that, the, that Laban did. But now he is saying, now leave the land at once and go back to your native land. So what happens? Verse 14. Then Rachel and Leah replied, Do we still have any share in the inheritance of our father's estate? Does he not regard us as foreigners? Not only has he sold us, but he has used up what was paid for us. Surely all the wealth that God took away from our father belongs to us and our children. So do whatever God has told you. So this is interesting. Leah and Rachel are saying, you know, if you've ended up being wealthy and Laban's not, what is that to us? He has not really treated us very well. Um, and, and so they're basically, this is, this is Rachel and Leah coming up to Jacob and saying, you know, we're in your court. We know that your, our father has not been just to you. We know that you have done a great job. You've accumulated all this wealth. Um, we are, we are committed to you, I guess is what, what they're saying. Uh, and he has used up what he paid for us. And surely all the wealth that God took away from our father belongs to us and our children. So do whatever God has told you. 
So here we see Jacob, um, his two wives, saying, we're following you. We're not following Laban. And uh, whatever wealth you have, that's fine with us. Um, whatever wealth he doesn't have, that's fine with us too. We're following you. And um, so Jacob must have felt pretty good about that. I mean, he goes there with nothing. Uh, and then he works hard for 14 years plus however many years, you know, to have the children and ends, ends up with two wives, 11 children, flocks, servants. I mean, he's like Abraham. He's like Isaac. He And he did it all starting from nothing, just from hard work and sacrifice uh, and two amazing wives, Rhea, Leah and Rachel and their servants. I mean, it's... Um, it truly is a success story that Jacob has, but it's not Jacob alone. I mean, Laban gave Jacob the opportunity. Uh, Laban was the one who made the deal, you know, work seven years. It was even Laban that came to Jacob and said, listen, you shouldn't work for me for free. I want to bless you by giving you the opportunity to work hard and get my daughters. And so Jacob does work hard. He gets the daughters. And so it does seem like a fair deal all the way around. I'm not entirely sure about the goat thing and the sheep thing. Um, I don't know if Jacob, you know, really tried to, to, uh, to cheat Laban, but God definitely was on Joseph's or Jacob's side. Um, and so right now, I mean, it seems like it's all everything is fair and that, that Jacob has earned what he's received and Laban uh, gave him an opportunity, but there's no question that, jo that Jacob took a full advantage of that opportunity. So that's kind of where we are. And um, what are the life's lessons from that? I, I guess you could say that, um, well, a couple of them. One is that God is always in charge of everything. Um, I think if you work hard and you play by the rules, well, play by the rules. If you work hard and you have people that allow you to take advantage of, you know, the system, uh, you know, that you can, um, well, you know, I, I don't know if I want to say if you work hard and play by the rules that you will be, uh, you know, you'll have everything in life because there are some people who work hard and play by the rules and do what they think is right. And for whatever reason that, you know, they don't, they don't end up like Jacob, right? because life happens. I mean, there's people that work hard and play by the rules and then all of a sudden, you know, somebody gets really sick or the financial, the stock market falls apart or, you know, the 401k or, you know, businesses go out of business. I mean, we know this from the pandemic, right? That, um, you know, life happens. But God is here because God wants to bless Jacob and wants Jacob to have enough wealth to where he can be a great nation and have all these things. God is definitely pouring into Jacob a lot of things. And God does that. If, if you have anything in this life, um, the temptation is to say it's because of all my hard work, right? Uh, but the fact of the matter is, the truth is, at the end of the day, what we have in this life is more because of what God has done in our life and the people that he surrounded us off. I mean, to some extent, it is hard work. There's no question about it. But there are a lot of different factors that go into, uh, you know, how how you how you, you know, end up as a human being. And 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 honestly, wealth can help, money can help, and we should we should we should definitely be very, uh, you know, astute 
with the gifts that we should be good stewards of the gifts that God has given us, our time, our talent, our treasures. And there's no question about that. We should be judicious. We should be austere. You know, we shouldn't go wildly into debt. We shouldn't, you know, make stupid decisions. Um, but, but honestly, that's only a part of it. I mean, the other part of it is, is that God uh, has a hand in our own lives and God has a hand in society and God has surrounded us with people that will help us through this life. And we should be thankful for all of that. And, um, the, you know, the important thing is, is to be the person that God wants you to be, you know, to be, to take advantage, I guess you could say, to, to use the gifts, the, the, the gifts that God has given you, the time, talents, and resources, and to, and to basically maximize that as much as possible for the kingdom. And that's, that's kind of where I see Jacob right now. At this point, he's maximized the gifts that God has given him for the kingdom. There's no question about that. But let's see what happens, because I don't know if that stays the case. Let's continue reading in verse 17. Then Jacob put his children and his wives on camels, and he drove all of his livestock ahead of him, along with all the goods he had accumulated in Paddan Aram to go to his father Isaac in the land of Canaan. When Laban had gone to shear his sheep, Rachel stole her father's household gods. Moreover, Jacob deceived Laban, the Aramean, by not telling him that he was running away. So he fled with all he had, crossed the Euphrates River, and headed for the hill country of Gilead. So now, now I think it has changed. Now we see that Rachel goes actually into her father's house and steals the gods. Why would she steal the gods? It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. I mean, Jacob is a follower of the God of Abraham and Isaac. And God speaks to Jacob in dreams like he spoke to Abraham and he spoke to Isaac. And you're telling me now that you want to have other gods? That, that doesn't sit well, right, with the whole story. And then Jacob is leaving by not confronting Laban. And um, I have to say that, that Jake, this, this would be a hard discussion for Jacob. Jacob is not a confrontational type of guy. If he had been a confrontational type of guy, he would have confronted Jacob at all the wage, the 10 wage changes that Jacob had. If Jacob had been a confrontational guy, he might have said, no, you said I would have Rachel for seven years. You cheated me. You swindled me. I'm taking them both and I'm leaving. I mean, there's lots of things that Jacob could have done if he was a confrontational guy. Jacob is not a confrontational guy. And we know this because he takes Rachel, Leah, the camels, the servants, the goods, and he leaves without having a confrontation with Laban. And um, now that that's you know should he have a confrontation with Laban? Is is what he doing? Is what he's doing really deceiving Laban because he doesn't have that confrontation, or is, or is Jacob deceiving himself? I mean, I don't know if Jacob has the ability within him to have. There's some people who love confrontation; they eat confrontation for breakfast. I'm not one of those people. I probably would have been like Jacob this way. Um, and it looks like it's deceiving, but it's just that Jacob doesn't have the confrontational fortitude to go back and talk to Laban and says, I'm leaving and we're taking off. 
And, uh, and that's going to cause problems. There are times when you need to confront uh, situations head on. And you have, to, you have to have the internal fortitude to say, I am going to confront because it's the right thing to do. Uh, and it's hard and it's difficult. Um, and Jacob, you know, with all the stuff he'd learned, as much power and two wives and 11 kids and all that, he just still doesn't have the internal fortitude to confront his uncle Laban, uh, which I find fascinating. So he's just going to leave in the quiet of the night. He's going to flee with everything crossing over the Euphrates River and heading for the hill country of Gilead. Well, let's see what happens. On the third day, Laban was told that Jacob had fled. So taking his relatives with him, he pursued Jacob for seven days and caught up with him in the hill country of Gilead. Then God came to Laban, the Aramean, in a dream at night and said to him, be careful not to say anything to Jacob, either good or bad. So isn't this interesting that Jacob flees from Laban with all of his goods uh, and then God comes again to rescue this line of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It is amazing how when God makes a promise that he will do everything in his power for that promise to come true. He comes at the right moment and says the right things or gives visions of the right things to do the right things. Uh, and I find that amazing. And we uh, have a promise with God ourselves that through Jesus Christ, that there's nothing can ever separate us from his love, that God loves us, that he cares for us, that Jesus redeemed us and bought us, um, that we are his, we're in our kingdom. And when God makes that promise, he's going to do everything that he can, you know, he, which is everything, to keep fulfilling that promise. And we see that God is in charge here. Um, so he comes and he comes, to, he comes to Laban and says, be careful not to say to Jacob, either good or evil. Continue on. Jacob had pitched his tent in the hill country of Gilead when Laban overtook him. And Laban and his relatives camped there too. And now the confrontation. Then Laban said to Jacob, what have you done? You deceived me and you carried off my daughters like captives in war. Why did you run off secretly and deceive me? Why didn't you tell me so I could send you away with joy and singing to the music of timbrels and harps? You didn't even let me kiss my grandchildren and my granddaughters goodbye. You've done a foolish thing. I have the power to harm you. But last night, God, the father of your father, said to me, be careful not to say anything to Jacob, either good or bad. Now you have gone off because you long to return your father's household. But why did you steal my gods? So this confrontation that would have happened probably would not have gone this way if Jacob had gone to Laban and said, I'm leaving with your children. He would have tried to make another deal, another wage, you know, whatever. Um, but God stepped in and you can see Laban has a change of heart here. But he still wants to know, why'd you steal my gods? That's interesting. So Jacob answered Laban, I was afraid because I thought you would take your daughters away from me by force. But if you find anyone who has your gods, that person shall not live. In the presence of our relatives, see for yourself whether there is anything of yours here with me. And if so, take it. Now Jacob did not know that Rachel had stolen the gods. So Laban went into Jacob's tent and into Leah's tent and into the tent of the two female servants, but found nothing. 
And after he came out of Leah's tent, he entered Rachel's tent. Now Rachel had taken the household goods and put them inside her camel's saddle and was sitting on them. Laban searched through everything in the tent but found nothing. Rachel said to her father, Do not be angry, my lord, that I cannot stand up in your presence. I am having my period. So he searched, but he could not find the household gods. So Leah, or Rachel, is lying to her father, and Father Laban goes everywhere and cannot find the gods. And he looks and he looks and he cannot find them. He knows that somebody here took him, but he doesn't know who it is, and he can't get to the truth. And don't you hate that when that happens? Don't you hate when your children, when you know, when you know in your heart of hearts what the truth is, but you can't prove it. Oh, that's so frustrating. That just, that is one of the most frustrating things I think there is in life. When you just, you just know, but you have no proof, right? Laban knows. I mean, they're gone. The gods are gone. Laban knows. Now he looks at Jacob and Jacob's like, honestly, I have not taken this. He might believe Jacob, but... Who has it? Who took it? And he goes from place to place to place, and he cannot find um, that gods at all. I mean, this is the stuff. Um, when you don't tell the truth, it's just not good for relationships. It's not good for people's psyche. You know, I think that's why God says, don't bear false witness against other people because it really can destroy relationships. It can really cause so much harm in the world. I think that's why we, here in the United States, you know, we try very hard to tell the truth. You know, it's interesting, in other parts around the world, um, people don't necessarily tell the truth. Uh, I lived in Denver, and next door was the, this missionary household, and it was owned by 13 Baptist churches, and they would have missionaries come in from furlough, and one of the missionaries had been doing work in Africa. And, and I said, what's it like? He goes, it's horrible. Because in Africa, one of the greatest things you can do to bring honor to your family is to be sneaky and to get away with it. So in Africa, if you were to steal the household gods and nobody found them, that is, uh, that's considered to be being sneaky and getting away with it. And that's a thing of honor. And uh, he said, that's the hardest thing in in." If you grew up in the United States where the rule of law and, you know, not lying, not cheating, not stealing, not bearing false witness, all that is so important to us. Um, and you go to a country where that doesn't exist. He says, you have no idea how difficult it is to live in a country like that. And I believed him. I can't imagine living in a country where being sneaky is a good thing. Um, and it probably all comes back from Jacob being sneaky. It's all his fault. And he gets away with it. Or will he get away with it? We'll have to see. Um, so I think we'll leave it there. Um, don't be sneaky. Uh, you know, tell the truth. We live in a society here in the United States where we still, you know, try to do the right things and try not to be sneaky. Sneaky's not good. Sneaky destroys relationships. Uh, you know, I don't even care if there are societies in Africa. Right now in the United States, don't be sneaky. It's not a good thing. Uh, our Jesus was not sneaky. Um, he always told the truth. He said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. And I am the way and I'm the truth and I'm the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So Jesus was big on truth. And I think we should be big on truth also. So let's see. Uh, I wonder how the hurricane's doing. Let's look real quick.
Oh, it's uh, still category four, and then it's going to go category two. Uh, it's located 15 miles west-northwest of Lake Charles, Louisiana. So keep them in your prayers, uh, and um, you know we'll see what we can do to help once this thing's over. All right, well, let's pray. Dear God, uh, thanks for being with us. Thank you for being the truth. Thank you that we can rest in your truth. Um, be with us until we meet again tomorrow. In Jesus' name.